listening to the Baby Your Baby podcast, where we talk all things pregnancy, children, and parenting. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV 2 News podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health. Welcome to the Baby Your Baby podcast. We've talked a lot about postpartum depression, but there's a lot of other conditions that kind of are associated with postpartum depression that we want to get into today and really dive into this topic. So we've asked psychiatrist Kelly Irons to join us. She's from Intermountain Avenue's Women's Center. So Kelly, I want you to introduce yourself first. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're trained in three different areas, which makes you really unique. Mm-hmm. So I've trained in pediatrics, child psychiatry, and adult psychiatry. So I'm uniquely positioned to talk about perinatal health and, and mom and baby attachment, and it's near and dear to my heart. So we thank you for joining us and for bringing this level of expertise to this podcast today. We really want to talk about anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorders during pregnancy and postpartum. How common are these two? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that we're just starting to recognize more and more that women suffer from these disorders during pregnancy and postpartum. We think about 10 to 20 percent of women have these symptoms after pregnancy. And... Um, in terms of OCD, about 2 to 3% of women suffer from OCD symptoms. So introduce the term peripartum to us. That's not something we hear yeah. often. Yeah. So we think traditionally about postpartum mental illness, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, but we're finding out more and more that women can suffer from these conditions during pregnancy. It can actually start during pregnancy and then uh, worsen after pregnancy. So for our moms and dads listening, Kelly, what does anxiety and OCD look like, whether you're in pregnancy or postpartum? Anxiety often looks like excessive worry. Specifically with moms, they often worry about their baby or worry about their own health. It can cause racing thoughts, it can cause loss of appetite, can cause poor sleep, and often it can also cause panic attacks. And what about OCD? What does that look like? So OCD is a little bit different. Um, OCD uh, consists of intrusive thoughts. Now, most women will have some sort of intrusive thoughts um, either in pregnancy or after pregnancy. And those might, those thoughts might consist of worrying about harming the baby, falling down the stairs with the baby, or having the bath water too hot. OCD is a different flavor. So OCD are these excessive intrusive thoughts that the women cannot get out of their mind. It's often frightening and it's often very disturbing for the women. And then beyond these thoughts, they will also have compulsions that they're using to try to alleviate those thoughts. So for instance, some women might be worried that they're going to stab their baby so they'll avoid the kitchen. Or some women might be scared that their baby is going to stop breathing at night so they're checking on their baby 10, 15, 20 times at night and um, you know to, to make sure that their baby's still breathing. Okay, this reminds me of a story when we first brought home our son. Within the first week, my husband and I, we didn't sleep. We took shifts staring at him to make <laughs> yeah. sure he was breathing. Yep. Yep. That was probably a level of OCD. We didn't even re- recognize Correct. it then. Correct. And when it causes dysfunction, that's when we want to step in and treat. Okay, so the difference between the two it almost sounds like OCD is when you take it that next step. Yeah, in some ways that's 
that's the truth. So anxiety, um, you know, you'll have a lot of thoughts, but you'll be able to continue to function. You won't necessarily act on those thoughts, meaning you won't keep checking the baby, you won't keep doing behaviors to reassure yourself. And OCD really, you know, it, it's these irrational thoughts and these irrational compulsions to alleviate those thoughts. Okay. Why might women be susceptible to this during this time? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are multiple theories, and honestly, we don't quite know why certain women get anxiety or peripartum depression. One theory is kind of the hormonal theory. So as you can imagine, you have a lot of hormonal shifts during pregnancy and after pregnancy. So when you get pregnant, you have a rise in estrogen and a rise in progesterone, and then that suddenly drops after you deliver. Similarly, you have rise in cortisol levels, so your stress hormones rise, and then a lot of your endocrine hormones rise, so your thyroid hormone rises. All of that kind of precipitously drops after pregnancy. And those hormones talk to the brain. So we know a lot of those hormones uh, send signals to neurotransmitters in the brain that are implicated in anxiety and depression. And we know that some women are particularly susceptible to those hormonal changes. And why is that? Why are some? We we don't know. We don't know why, and we can't really predict. We don't have a good predictor yet. Mm. Hopefully someday to to, um, know which women are more susceptible to those changes. However, it's multifactorial. I mean, we see... um, we see men suffer from postpartum anxiety ask. and depression, and clearly they're not having hormonal shifts. Mm-mm. So we know that there's a genetic loading. We know women and men are more at risk if they have had anxiety and depression in the past. And also we know that social stressors can contribute to um, anxiety and depression. So isolation, financial stressors, uh, big changes, big life changes like moves, like having a baby, um, all of that can contribute. So we know that hormones could, can possibly contribute. Mm-hmm. We know that yes, certain life stressors. Who else is at risk? I'm just looking at some of our, our talking points. Maybe a mom that has a traumatic labor and delivery. Yes. There are other factors here that yeah, play into so the risk. Stress and trauma are huge risk factors for developing peripartum and, and postpartum anxiety and depression. And so those women that have traumatic uh, births or that the baby is sick and has to stay in the hospital, women that struggle with breastfeeding, that the, the feeding isn't going well, those are all risk factors for developing this type of mental illness. Let's talk a little bit more about the signs of PP anxiety. We, we kind of talked about what it looks like. What are some other signs, though? Mm-hmm. So other signs are, are um, women that are isolating more, that are crying more, that, um, you know, there's a difference between, we talk a lot about kind of baby blues, and there's some anxiety that go along with that first week of baby blues. However, when it becomes to the point where women aren't able to take care of their baby or that the anxiety is so paralyzing that they're they're panicking, so signs of panic attack, um, heart racing, shortness of breath, uh, nausea, dizziness, numbness and tingling in the in the hands and feet, those are all signs that something more severe is going on. And at that point, what do moms need to do? And what do those around moms that are experiencing this, when do they need to step in and help too? Sure. Uh, so moms should talk to their health care provider. The OBGYN is a great resource. Um, or their pediatrician. So the 
um, we often forget that the pediatrician is meeting with the moms quite frequently because the babies have such frequent visits when they're in the first few months of life. And pediatricians are invested in this as well. We know that when moms have mental illness, that um, that affects attachment and that can affect the infant's neurodevelopment. So a pediatrician is a great resource as well to talk to. In terms of families, we know that additional supports need to be put in place. So whether that means that someone's going to take over the nighttime feeding so mom can get some rest and sleep, whether that means that you know grandma steps in and takes the infant for a few hours a day so that mom can engage in some self-care and, and talk to her providers or go to therapy, um, all of those you know things need to kind of you know, come into play to help with help with this um, illness. How does having a psychiatrist as part of the OBGYN team help with women and with behavioral issues they might be experiencing? Yeah, so um, I'm in the role of mental health integration, so I am actually um, here in the clinic just alongside the OB providers, and it provides a great opportunity because, unfortunately, there's still a lot of stigma surrounding mental health issues, and so a woman may be less likely to seek out help if she has to go somewhere else, Mm -hmm. has to meet with someone that she doesn't know. By being in the clinic with the OBGYNs and collaborating with the OBGYNs, I'm just down the hall, and it's a lot more comfortable of an environment to initiate um, to initiate care. Talk a little bit about some of the ways we can actually prevent peripartum anxiety and OCD before it hits some of the moms listening to this podcast. Yes, that's a great point. So. We know that there are certain risk factors that will predispose a mom to peripartum anxiety and OCD. And so talking about that when they first become pregnant, giving them the signs and tools to um, try to... um, you know, help themselves before they get to that point is really important. We don't talk about it a lot during pregnancy. We're so focused on sort of the physical manifestations of pregnancy, the physical health of the baby, the physical health of the mom, that we often overlook the mental health component. Psychoeducation is really important. Um, So um, involving moms in support therapy groups um, and or community groups that are... um, Supporting other moms in the same stages of pregnancy can be helpful. Talking to family members, spouses, extended family members to uh, be on alert that um, of signs of anxiety and OCD so that they can be sort of their eyes and ears when mom's in the trenches taking care of the baby and sometimes can't realize herself. Kelly, um, that's a good point because I want to bring that up. You know, during my pregnancy with my first, I was so focused on getting ready for him. And then I was so focused on labor and delivery that when I got him home, I knew the basics of what to do, but I didn't know all the other little things no one really tells you until you're faced with them. And like I said, my husband and I are staying up, watching this baby breathe to make sure. I don't think I could pull myself out of that trench. Mm -hmm. I was so deep in it and so worried Mm -hmm. about keeping this child alive. Mm -hmm. What do we do before mom gets to that point? Right. I think normalizing that is really important. So 
you know, telling other people telling their stories and realizing that that is a common feeling among new moms. And then also giving them the permission to take a step back and ask for help. We often as new moms feel like we have to do it all and we can't ask for help and, and, you know, we look at other people that have done it all. And so it, it, again, it kind of fuels that stigma and that isolation, taking a step back and talking about it beforehand and coming up with contingency plans if we do fall into that trench of being able to step out and ask for help is really important. And I think too, you know, like I mentioned, my husband, I kind of pulled him into this too. We're both doing the same thing. Like you said, other family members can actually experience a level of this as well. Absolutely. I remember sitting on one of those bouncy balls with my first for hour, for mm-hmm. all hours of the night because I could not let him down. I couldn't put him down. Mm-hmm. I was so nervous, you know, and so I think, you know, that that breeds then insomnia and breeds sleep issues, and then that is a huge risk factor for worsening anxiety, especially in a woman that is already predisposed to anxiety or OCD. One of the, it's interesting because of those that are going to develop OCD, pregnancy and delivery is one of the biggest triggers for those symptoms to start. I was going to ask too, I mean, for, for someone to develop this, will they have an indication before pregnancy that they might develop this or not at all? Yeah, you know, in times of stress, some of those obsessions and compulsions may present themselves. So a, a woman might know, you know, oh, you know, my first year of college, I started developing some obsessions and compulsions and then it kind of mm-hmm. went away. Or just after marriage or after a new job, I developed some of these traits, but then it went away. That is an indication that you you are going to be more predisposed and you may be at risk for developing them um, during pregnancy and after delivery. I do want to make one point. People ask a lot about the difference between uh, perinatal OCD and and perinatal psychosis. And this is a really important distinction because those intrusive thoughts can be very scary and Mm -hmm. can uh, involve harming, you know, thoughts of harming the baby or harming themselves. That doesn't mean that the patient is psychotic or that they are going to harm themselves or harm the baby. These thoughts are unwanted. They don't feel like um, in line with that mom's worldview. They're often very fearful of those thoughts. And the risk is fairly negligible. I can't Mm -hmm. say never, but the, Mm -hmm. the risk is negligible that those things will actually happen, that they will actually go to harm their baby. Peripartum psychosis is much different and as a medical emergency, and those are when those thoughts become um, more in line with that person's worldview. They have mm. feelings of wanting to do those behaviors, and it often is in conjunction with a bizarre delusion, you know, auditory hallucinations, or paranoia, and that's a medical emergency where they need to go to the hospital. Peripartum OCD is much different. Because they're unwanted. You don't want to do that. Exactly. And though they're very frightening for the mom, it's not a medical emergency. Mm -hmm. They need to be reassured that those symptoms do not mean that that's actually going to happen. They're irrational thoughts Mm -hmm. and that um, with proper treatment, they will go away. That is scary. That yes. is scary for moms who experience absolutely, that. Absolutely, absolutely, it can be very frightening. Okay, so Kelly, let's let's empower moms and dads one more time. Where can they go? Where can our parents go for more information if they are 
preparing for a baby, they want to mitigate this before this happens to them, or maybe they're in the thick of this right now. Where can they go? Let's let's give them some information. Yeah, so they can always talk to their OBGYN or their pediatrician. I often refer families to the Postpartum International website as well. They have a Utah chapter, they have peer advocates, and there's a lot of information online about support groups and um, you know um, ways to sort of mitigate these types of symptoms at home. Your, um, their OBGYN can then refer them to a mental health professional if there's someone like me in the clinic, you know, I'm, um, that's, that's what I do and that's where I can support and offer a safety net for our patients. Um, but talking to friends, family, and, and healthcare providers is the first step. Okay, Kelly Irons, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Uh, psychiatrist here at Intermountain Avenue's Women's Center. Thank you for your information and your time and of course all your exp expertise. Welcome, thank you. Thanks for joining us for this week's Baby Your Baby podcast. If you have a topic you would like our Baby Your Baby experts to discuss, leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe. Baby Your Baby is a KUTV 2 News podcast and is sponsored by Intermountain Healthcare, Broadway Media, and the Utah Department of Health.